Research conducted in the country to find shorter, more effective treatments for drug-resistant tuberculosis has contributed to a shift in global policy guidelines. Patients will now undergo six months of oral treatment for multi-drug-resistant TB. And that word, and I'm going to ask you to tell me more about RRTB, refer... Rifampicin. I, I've tried, I can't. It's RRTB instead of 18 months. The number of pills taken drops from 23 a day to 23 a week. The elimination of injections and fewer side effects. The research also revealed that 9 out of every 10 patients on the new treatment regime will be cured, offering hope to people who are living with drug-resistant tuberculosis. Of course, this research was conducted at the University of the Witwatersrand and the Clinical HIV Research Unit. It was done as part of the clinical trials, including NICS-TB and Xenix studies conducted by Global TB Alliance. We have from the Department of Health, Chief Director of TB, Dr. Norbert Njeka, as well as Infectious Disease Researcher in the School of Clinical Medicine at WITS and Executive Director of Clinical HIV Research Unit, Isangwaletemba TB Research Unit, Dr. Francesca Conradi. Perhaps let's go to Wits University. Francesca, your turn first. First things first, groundbreaking, well done, putting the country on the map. And really, we, we've, we've got the brains to make the difference in the world in this country. Tell us about this most wonderful achievement in, in, at, at the university and what this heralds for South Africa, particularly in its fight against TB. Thanks uh, very much for the introduction, and it's it's nice to be able to speak about this. So what we're looking at is the treatment of, just to recap, the sampicin-resistant TB. I know that we're used to the word. Um, what we used to do a short six, seven years ago is we used to treat our patients for up to 18 months with a, a success rate that wasn't really very good. What we did is we conducted a trial, the first trial that you mentioned, the next TB trial, where we used a combination of three new medicines to treat drug-resistant TB. Results were really amazing. And as you said, nine out of 10 patients were cured. We modified that a little bit. But I think the main thing about this research is that we've been able to work really closely with the National Department of Health, and you've got my colleague, Dr. Norbert Njeka, on the line. So not only have we conducted research, but we've able, been able to implement it within the national program, um, producing hope for patients. Producing hope for patients. I've just lost you there with the balance of what would have been your response. And perhaps this is a good time to bring in uh, Dr. Norbert Njega, Chief Director of TB in the National Department of Health. Hope for patients. These are the sorts of partnerships that really take the country forward. It obviously isn't the sole purpose and function and obligation of government to create a healthy nation, but your institutional partners, because the National Department and other departments generally do fund research and fund institutions so that these sorts of partnerships and, more importantly, breakthrough that comes by way of research take place so that we can take our rightful place among the League of Nations. Your comment in relation to this breakthrough then, Norbert? Yeah, th thank you so much for inviting me, Song as well. And uh, I also want to greet the listeners across the world, um, South Africa in particular. So what happened is that um, uh, w w when I joined my position in 
2009 as director of the tuberculosis. I inherited a situation where um, among our TB patients, because we do have ordinary TB, which we call drug-susceptible TB, and the resistant ones who do not respond to, to the, uh, the treatment that we give to drug-susceptible TB or ordinary TB. So in that group of resistance, you got multi-drug-resistant TB, you got XDRT, which are the mostly severe. And we used to cure just about 10 out of 100 in that group. In the NDR, we're below 50%, yet everybody knows tuberculosis is a curable disease. So that's where it all started. What did I do? I formed a committee uh, with doctors in government in the TB program and the researchers, NGO. That's where the partnership with Dr. Francesca Contrari started. And we started working very hard, helping one another, growing as a group. Because my view was that in government, we can't reinvent the wheel. We have world-class researchers on TB in South Africa. Therefore, we should work closely to try to get the excellence from research to the program. So this is what we've been doing uh, all along, and, and uh, I'm excited. We start to see results. In fact, from 2018, uh, we're the first country in the world to remove injectable agents from treatment of TB uh, because of this strong partnership uh, with our researchers, and, and of course, there will be more. We're working very closely, and, and I'm really excited because we didn't have to reinvent the wheel. We, we needed to support research in the country and bring excellence into the program, which we've been trying to do uh, all along. Thank you. Certainly. No, we appreciate that response, and we're going to continue. Sure. After the ad break, the time is 21.13. My guest, whose voice you've just heard now, Dr. Norbert Njeka, Chief Director of the TB Unit at the National Department of Health. Francesca Conradi is at the University of the Vidvatisrand, infectious disease researcher in the School of Clinical Medicine at the university. They both return after this very short ad break. We continue the conversation about South Africa, TB, and the inroads, particularly the br- groundbreaking research that has recently been conducted by the University of the Vidvatisrand. Let me just continue from where you left off there, Dr. Njeka, in terms about the victory that this is and the sterling work already that this research speaks to. Could we also just have a sobering comment about the fact that TB remains a major killer in this country and perhaps it's a good time to have this conversation now in these COVID times? I'm reminded to two years ago at around this time, many academics were lamenting the fact that so much, both in terms of media rhetoric and government funding and related public responses to COVID-19, this is what essentially those in the space of tuberculosis were crying out for only that much earlier. Given the relatively high mortality rate of TB in comparison to even just COVID as we now know it, will this herald a change in how the institutions of government respond to TB, TB aided in particular by this sort of research? Yes, yeah. So basically, before this research, we had a meeting as local experts, MDR-TB experts uh, in general. Um, so we agreed that we need to see more change, we need to shorten 
treatment uh, uh, duration for for and the period of the refampicin resistant tuberculosis that does a name that gets all the resistant TB in one group. So we, we decided on all this. And subsequent to that, uh, we started developing a TB recovery plan. Um, recovery from the, 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 the problems, the challenges caused by COVID. But you must also agree that uh, we, we also had other challenges before COVID. COVID has just exposed uh, previous challenges. So the, the TB recovery plan is being discussed with the South African uh, AIDS Council. Um, it's been presented to the deputy president uh, of the country, uh, Mr. David Mabuza, who uh, alluded to this on the World TV Day when we commemorated World TV Day in Bucky West in the Northern Cape on the 24 March. Uh, our minister also spoke about it. So within the Department of Health, there is already a process to um, that is, is putting a plan that uh, we put a plan to to recover, and, and these are critical four areas, finding the missing TB uh, people, linking them to care, retaining them in care, and want to uh, increase uh, the number of patients that get TB prevention therapy and, and improve on prevention of TB overall. So these are the four priorities that we've already embarked on in the Department of Health. Now, in relation to what is happening now, do we have the necessary arrangements even on the ground? I mean, the conversation of and about TB in this country is a long one. It has had a very damaging impact, particularly on those who are on the outskirts of public and private health care services, where perhaps they are also at the mercy of socioeconomic conditions. Do we then have a plan in relation to distributing what little state resources there are to be able to meet the targets as set out by the strategy that is now to be rolled out? How do we yes. protect, in other words, the very vulnerable people who, despite all these inventions, these breakthroughs and the plans, but simply because geographically where they are and the legacy of that geography, they still remain vulnerable? Yeah, so what we've done in government is the following. We started a, a BPAL access program where we give three uh, medicines, bisaquiline, cryptomanid, lanesolid, in selected areas so that we could uh, introduce this uh, at small scale and then later scale up. Um, right now, we're in the process of uh, bringing this to other provinces who do not have uh, as many resources as well within the access, which are Western Cape, uh, KwaZulu-Natal, uh, and Hauteng, and Clarkstock in, in, in Northwest. There's an established research center there. Now, the other provinces, like Limpopo, like Free State, we are going to start scaling up small, learn lessons. That's a plan we had already from last year. But now, with this announcement, we will go even faster than we had hoped to do before. So we're doing assessments, readiness assessments. But the good news is uh, all these medicines are in the program. We've got plenty of bedaquiline right now. We've got plenty of lanesolid. We've got moxifloxacin. The only 
medicine that we don't have uh, in, in good supply is pretomanate. Pretomanate is an uh, antibiotic. I think Dr. Pondradi can explain more about the class and everything. But he is named after Pretoria, as you can see. <laughs> our involvement, you know, in this old business you know, is Pretoria. Preto so, so you see, when you talk about antibiotics, when you say moxifloxacin, cyprofloxacin, nivofloxacin, the first part is the name, the floxacin is the same name. Now, pretomanid, delaminid, it's the same group. The, the same name is the MIT, and you've got pretomanid, you've got delaminid. So, so pretomanid is what we need. Uh, it's named after pretora. It's something really we are emotionally attached to. This is the medicine we need, and we've already spoken to our affordable medicine. Uh, so this is the only medicine we need to bring. And what's going to happen? We bring one medicine in the program, and we cut the rest. The other three, it's a bit before we get lost in the technicality, sorry, Doc, I'm going to move on there, Dr. Njeka, yes. because I do want to talk about the fact that this breakthrough, whilst it has come from South Africa and, of course, is going to benefit South Africa in the very immediate, but equally, which is groundbreaking, which is to be lauded, and I'm coming lauded, and I'm coming to you there, Dr. Conradi, is the fact that it has now informed World Health Organization guidelines for improved TB treatment globally. So in other words, this research has so very quickly, you talk about timing in the press release, that it is now to be rolled out on a global stage. That equally is something to celebrate, and perhaps you can talk, talk to us more a bit about that. I'm asking this question, and it is a bit of a long-winded one. I have to take an ad break now. Gather your thoughts around this and talk to us about the global impact of this research, particularly WHO level, after this. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. 2123, South African research leads to new World Health Organization guidelines for improved TB treatment. Chief Director for TB in the National Department of Health, Dr. Norbert Njeka, is on the line, as is Dr. Francesca Conradi at the University of the Witwatersrand, the Executive Director of the Clinical HIV Research Unit, who oversaw this groundbreaking research, which is now rolled out as a WHO guideline globally for the treatment of TB. Fantastic stuff. Tell us about the timelines. First of all, it took for this research from the nascent phases to where we are now and what this heralds for global treatment of tuberculosis, Francesca? So a couple of things. The first thing that you've pointed out very ably is that TB affects the most vulnerable in our communities. People who are living often in overcrowded, impoverished environments. And it is the aim of, uh, first of all, the research and second of all, the National Department of Health to be able to reach this, these population groups. Mm. Um, the South African TB program has not received the amount of praise it really should have. We have uh, used a novel uh, diagnostic method called the GDX test, uh, where we find patients with both TB and rifampicin-resistant TB much faster than in the olden days. The olden days, I'm talking about 10 years ago. We Which is not so long ago, use, then. 
not so long ago. And the South African Department of Health, I think, consumes more of these tests to detect people with TB much earlier than even developed countries. So we're finding our patients quicker. Mm. The next thing is that in the drug-resistant field, we have started to use the new medicines much faster than any other country in the world. If we just get the numbers in our head, roughly about 10 million people get active TB in the world every year. That's a lot. And about half a million of those have drug-resistant TB, and probably 10 to 15,000 of those reside within our borders. What the aim of my research is to find ways to treat these patients effectively with the least side effects and to get them back onto the road to health as quickly as possible. The research that we've done, you mentioned the NICS and the Xenix trial, um, has enabled that. The NICS trial began in 2013. The actual treatment regimen was uh, approved by the FDA in 2018 and by our own regulatory authority in 2019-2020. It's very fast for TB. And now what we're trying to do is to get those medicines to the vulnerable population as quickly as possible. And the footprint of the National TB Program is it's, it, it's established all over the country. And anyone who lives within our borders can get access to, first of all, diagnostics as quickly as possible and the new medicines very, very quickly. So it, it's really, I think what Norbert was intimating is that the relationship between uh, forward-thinking researchers and a really innovative national TB program has put us on the map mainly for our own South Africans, but it's going to influence, as you said, the rest of the world with the WHO um, uh, endorsement of this guideline. What's kind of strange about TB is almost everyone who gets TB in the world is treated by a national TB program. So these guidelines are influencing the highest level of implementation, and it's, it's great to be part of that. Thank you. Let's talk about the fact that between contraction of the disease, TB that is, the diagnostic thereof, and the early rollout of the treatment that the patient ought to undergo, the real win there is the time frame. The less the time frame, the better the outcomes clinically, that is, for the patient and by extension, the national reading in terms of decreasing this mortality. And this is important in addressing South Africa's quadruple burden of disease. How does this, just this, eat into and talk to the national capacity that could otherwise be built in attending to the larger health concern that this country faces, being the quadruple burden of disease, which is maternal, newborn, and child health issues, HIV, AIDS, and tuberculosis specifically is an indicator there, non-communicable diseases and violence and injury. But this one pillar of the four, HIV, AIDS, and tuberculosis, are a major concern in terms of South Africa's health Sure, sure. So TB and HIV are great friends or maybe mortal enemies. People who become HIV infected are much more likely to catch TB right from very, very early on in their disease progress. We've got a good going national antiretroviral program with uh, millions of patients on treatment. 
But what we've learned from COVID is that early diagnosis and getting people on adequate treatment as quickly as possible, cured and out the system is the way to go. And that's why this particularly short regimen is advantageous for uh, people who live within our borders. The other thing that I want to say is TB is an infectious illness. It's acquired uh, by breathing in the TB organisms from someone else who has it. The quicker and more effectively we can treat it, the less infections we're going to get. We learned that from COVID, that uh, taking infectious people out of the system reduces the burden. It's the same with TB. If we don't treat TB, an active case of TB will infect eight others every year. If we treat it effectively, there's no ongoing transmission. So quick diagnosis and quick successful treatment is the way to end TB. Mortality rate of 15% there, Dr. Njeka. This is something now which the country can look forward to it, not only dropping, but also use some of the experience and expertise just developed through this research and some of the issues that it cross-pollinates over in the treatment of South Africa's quadruple burden of disease to make sure that it's not just the TB and HIV and AIDS that is attended to, but also sort of maternal, newborn and child health issues, um, non-communicable diseases and violence and injury from a systemic level really is where I'm trying to now engage. What can we use from this research that can then be rolled out on a greater scale in public health in the country? Final question. Yeah, thank you so much. I think the, the issue around mortality is that um, um, we notice mortality is one challenge we have in the TB program and also loss to follow-up, which we used to call default rate. But it's better to say loss to follow-up. Those are the two key features of the program. Mortality is dropping, it's coming down as we go for better uh, medicines, like the ones we 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 hoping to introduce with this uh, uh, communication from WHO. We hope to do it very fast, uh, so so that we could continue to to bring down the, the mortality that are critical. But then we get a bonus. We also get um, a drop in terms of those who drop out of treatment, which you call loss to follow up. Because when people drop out, they're going to die at some point. They feel good initially and they're going to die. So, uh, so the, the treatment made of such good medicines for a short period, and the way Francesca explained, uh, when you make early diagnosis, early treatment initiation, uh, will get uh, mortality come down. And it's very good because. Um, a lot of our patients, six to seven out of all our court of repulpatory uh, and tuberculosis uh, are people living with HIV. So, so these uh, medicines will also assist with HIV control as much as the ARVs will be helping. You know, so, so it's really a, a good uh, a good thing for for HIV program for TB program. Uh, a lot of the, the pregnant women also have one or, the, or both conditions. So we're going to see uh, massive gains uh, across all these uh, programs. 
Well, we look forward to welcoming you back and telling us more such breakthroughs, both at the National Department of Health level, but also the capacity that is being built in academic institutions and other institutions for the public benefit. Francesca, Norbert, thank you so much for your time. And again, well done. Very well done. Thank you. Bye. 2132, final story after the break.